0: The Voice of Mom Bello podcast is a proud member of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountain, we speak. So don't just dare to speak up. Dare to do something about it. Dare to defend those who do not have the privilege that you do. Dare to make a difference. Dare to start here. Dare to not just listen to your students, find ways to amplify your students' voices, listen to their needs and take action as a result. Let them lead you to have the school that they want. Protect and honor their education, not just by listening to them, but by asking, what can you do? because all the places they will go and all the places they could take you i dare you not to just acknowledge or showcase their existence but use it use their power resilience voice and movement because their future depends on your decisions forbid yourself to do this without your students i dare you that was mariel reyes and this is the voice of mombella podcast Bombelo Parque. Welcome to the Voice of Mombello podcast. Today we will be interviewing a true hero of Mombello, Mariel Reyes. Mariel is a Chicana, she's a senior at MOK Early College. She's a proud member of Mombello and her parents are immigrants. She works to organize for students' rights by organizing protests and through her poetry. Her words were inspiring and powerful. They really showed me what I can become when I'm a senior in high school, and that being a Chicana is a beautiful and powerful thing. Mariela is a great person and is an example to us. She talked about her experience and what it's like having immigrant parents. Many of our classmates are children of immigrants too, so it was great to hear her perspective. We hope you enjoy the interview. Hello, welcome to the Voice of Mom podcast. Today we are interviewing Maria. How are you, Maria? I'm good, thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am a senior in high school, I am 17 (coughs) years old, um, and I am a first-generation student. How many people know what a first-generation student means? (laughs) e one. So first-generation student means that I am the first out of my entire family who's not only going to graduate from high school, but also going to go on to get a college degree. Um, And that's just a little bit about myself what was what has been the hardest part of your journey so far Ooh, it's hard to just pick one um the transitions definitely from you know you go from kindergarten to first grade and then from elementary school to middle school and then middle school to high school all those transitions have been the most challenging part of my journey because i've had to learn how to accept those changes and how to be okay with growing up and how to be okay with certain parts of myself. Um, also self-acceptance, um, accepting who I am, accepting those changes for what they are and all of the good and the bad that they bring and having to grow as a person, that's been the most challenging part. Thank you. You're welcome. What inspired you to become a teacher? Um, students, just like you. Uh, right now I'm teaching 8th graders uh, some math because they missed out on a whole semester, for a whole semester, they didn't have a teacher. So imagine being in this classroom and for half of the school year you don't have a teacher. So those students that I'm teaching now are, just show a lot of happiness when I'm in there and I know I can teach them, I know they can learn. Um, it brings me joy to see students like you guys doing things like this, learning from people my age. What is your biggest weakness and why? My biggest weakness? Um, myself. That sounds weird, right? I am my biggest weakness because sometimes we get in our own head too much and you keep thinking, I can't do it, I can't do it. So you kind of zone out, you kind of step back and you're like, well, I can't do it. And it hurts, right? To think that you can't do it because maybe other people told you you can't, maybe it's just inside of you, maybe it's too challenging. But at the same time, that is also my greatest strength that I can pull myself out of that and snap out of it and say, yes, yes, I can do it. So it's both my biggest weakness and my greatest strength because I can defeat that, right? Because it is myself and I can grow from that. How do you feel about deportation? Oof. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I feel like it depends on the situation. Most of the time I feel like it is very unfair. Um, Because I have experienced that separation where my uncles and aunts have gotten deported and I haven't seen them in 15 years So I haven't seen them since I was two or three years old and that's really hurtful because I know these people Didn't commit a crime. They weren't in trouble They just got caught without a piece of paper that tells you yes, you're a person you're allowed to live here I think it's very unfair but it is also sometimes a necessary process within our system because you know we have to learn about the civics and the way the government <coughs> works and things like that, and it's understandable to a point until it starts to affect you, I don't think many people can understand it. Um, we have faced threats of deportation. I've had a lot of friends who last year left um, on their own because they were afraid of getting deported or getting that on their record. Um, They were very close to me, and it really hurts to see someone your age or someone younger than you leave to an entirely different country. And those people, even though I'm a citizen, even though I know I can travel to Mexico, I don't know if I'm ever going to see them again. And that's, um, that's really hurtful, but it's... You learn to live with it, I guess. What are your advantages and disadvantages of having immigrant parents? Um, the advantages and disadvantages. The advantage is definitely what I like to call the glory story. So the reason why they came here, the reason why they decided to stay and cross a enormous river uh, deep and scary waters and very dangerous to get here for me because they wanted me and my younger brother to have a better future that is always so inspiring and that becomes my story too that becomes my story to tell because sometimes my parents are afraid to tell it and that is the one disadvantage is that you you watch your parents live in fear um, in fear of not having that piece of paper or that card that says you're allowed to live here, you're allowed to work here. That is the biggest disadvantage, is living in that fear because again, not only does their story become yours, but that fear also becomes yours. How do you manage to be very successful in your education with so many challenges kids in Mombello face? Oof, um, perseverance, never giving up. There's a difference between I give up and I'm giving this up. So when you say I give up, you're throwing your hands up and you just don't want to do it anymore and it's just because, screw that, I don't want to do it anymore. But when you learn how to give up the right things, like I know I shouldn't do so much at the same time, if I'm having to face these challenges. Maybe I shouldn't take on another club. Maybe I shouldn't take on another sport because there's a lot of things going on at home. So, you have to learn a balance and you have to learn to never give up, but learn to give things up that aren't necessary or that aren't going to help you move forward. But if they are going to help you move forward, then definitely keep going at it. Thank you. And they dropped out of high school for different reasons, right? Um, Some of my friends got pregnant and they had to drop out. Some of them decided that school wasn't for them and they gave up school and now they're struggling. And it's heartbreaking to watch that Um, because you see that in a moment, you can decide to do something that will affect you for years and years and years and possibly for the rest of your life and those struggles will never really go away. So through them, I learned that it is important to focus on your education, not on the cute boy in class, not on the cute girl in class, not on all of this money that you can get from having a job or from being the popular kid or the cool kid. What's important is that you focus now because the decisions you make now, yes, even in middle school, yes, even in sixth grade, will help you moving forward because these basic things that you learn build the foundation they build the ground and you're going from the ground up so this is where it all starts and this is where you start making those decisions and though that's where a lot of my friends didn't make those decisions and they decided to drop out and it's very heartbreaking what inspired you to fight against hate through poetry and activism Um. First, I had to, I had a lot of hate in my heart, in my own heart. So through poetry, I was able to heal. And I was able to heal that hate inside of me. And it was an outlet, it was a way for me to write and write and write and write about all the sad things, write about all the happy things, write about anything and everything going on in my life So that process of healing within myself then inspired me to fight against all of the hate in the world because I thought if I can start with myself, I know what it's supposed to look like on a small scale with just me, so now I can fight against the world and no one can stop me because sometimes is our greatest weapon? You can hurt somebody with your words. You can heal somebody with your words. You can make someone happy. You can make someone sad. So words are a very powerful thing, and through activism, those words they will reach so many people. And luckily, those words have even reached you guys. And now I'm here today. So, yeah, thank you. You're welcome. What did like like what did you have hate about like in your heart? Where did that? What was that directed to? Towards myself. I I was very sad. I was depressed in a way, and it was very hard to deal with how my body was changing, how my mind was changing, how my emotions were changing, a lot of the challenges that I faced at home with my family, Um, so I wrote about all of those things, Um, and those things really, I saw those things going on with other people in other parts of the world, and even just in my own community. What do you do to overcome sorrow and disappointment? Um, first I talk to someone I talk to my parents first Um, I've learned to run to my parents for a lot of things it's like mom I just broke up with this boy or mom I got a really bad grade on this test what do I do I've always learned to run to them first because they provide wisdom that I do not have yet because I'm not that I'm not their age right and I haven't lived through all the things that I have lived and also they provide that religious peace that I still hold dear to my heart then I talk to my friends about it and these are friends that I've had for seven plus years and they kinda help guide me through that and then after that I sit down and just analyze things by myself I because in a lot of the work that I do, there's a lot of sorrow and disappointment. So much because you learn how the system works. You learn how people see other people and how much hate there actually is in the world. And, and that makes you really sad and that makes you really, really disappointed. But when you sit down and you think about it, is it worth it to stay sad about this thing for forever, if it's always gonna exist? Or is there room to do something about it? Can I make it better, even if it's just today? That is how I overcome that, thinking, is there a solution, is there a way I can make this better, even if it's only for now? Do you consider yourself a Chicana, and what does that mean to you? Ooh, wow, that's a really good question. Um, I think it really depends on where I am at. When I go to Mexico and I visit my relatives there, that is when I most feel like a Chicana. And that sounds really weird, right? Because, you know, I'm not in the United States, is where you mostly consider yourself a Chicana. But when I go there, uh, sometimes I don't know how to pronounce certain words, sometimes I don't know how to say different things or like a word escapes my head and then I try to explain it and I don't even know sound like I know what I'm talking about. So it's there when I most realize that being Chicano means that you have a responsibility to re- represent not just one, but two cultures. You have a responsibility to represent your Mexican side and then your Mexican-American side. Well, it looks completely different from what Mexico looks like, you know? And I think what it ends up meaning to me now is that I am a proud Chicana because I cannot really identify as either because I not only have those Mexican Spaniard roots I also have those Indian roots right? that came before the Mexican Spaniards <coughs> um, and here I have a whole different spectrum of speaking two languages, of speaking in dialects and I, I have that responsibility now to, as a Chicana to represent all of that in every waking moment that I have thank you a chicana is a Mexican American so your parents may not have been born here but you were what are you currently fighting for in the community student voice and leadership plus student action so Um, I'm part of the student board of education if you guys ever get to be a part of that please do it is amazing it is your chance to make a difference in your school and our mission is to make a policy or a rule for our school surrounding a social justice issue but uh, our biggest focus is student voice and leadership so students get a say in what changes in our school and what doesn't change at our school and then we Produce that leadership so we're at the face of all of that but a lot of the times what's missing is student action so what student action is is you don't just say oh I don't think that's fair I don't like that then what right you do something about it you can create a petition you bring a whole bunch of students together and you rally together or you have a meeting with your administrators and you're like hey we don't think this is fair and these are the reasons why that is one of the biggest things I focus on. And then having the community voice heard, because a lot of the times, our parents don't get involved in the decisions that are made either, or they are scared to get involved. Many uh, of them, like mine, because of their immigrant status or because they have this view of school that's like, oh, I went to school and I didn't like it, so I'm just not gonna go back. So, um, the biggest thing I'm working on right now is to get students' voices heard just like you guys and to get getting our parents and our communities voices heard. So there was a board meeting. How many people know what a board meeting is? Right, it's like a right and so uh yes? Yeah? No, <laughs> so our board representatives, right? Um, our district representatives. They all sit together and they talk about policy changes. They talk about potential changes that will happen within our (coughs) communities. And they were talking about um, shared campuses and there was also a lot of rumors that there would be a new high school in the area, that my school was going to shut down and it was just very confusing and we didn't have all of the information. And I thought that was really unfair. So I gathered a group of students and we silently protested outside of their office where they meet, and we held up signs saying that our voices were going to be heard, that we were tired of not being filled in or not given this information purposely to keep us quiet and so that those changes can just happen without our consent or our agreement. So when we went in there, um, then we were asked to go up and we met with them and we told them why it is that we were there and why it is that we were protesting, and they finally heard us. And through that, um, I feel like I, it is my responsibility now to st- keep the movement going and not just have it be one moment where I was like, yeah, we did it, and then nothing happens after that. Why did they want to make a square around Mombelo and shut down the one name, okay? Well, from my understanding, 10 years ago, Montbello the Montbello campus was just one high school. And it was a huge high school. But 10 years ago it got shut down and it was made into four different schools. And so now, 10 years later, people are still angry, people are still sad that that school was shut down and made into four schools because the district, what they failed to do is then afterwards come in and be like, hey, every, hey community, hey students, this is what we did, we just wanna explain what we did and why we did it and how it's going to be good for you. So they didn't do that, right? And now everybody's confused and 10 years later, we'll, we're still fighting a fight over something that we don't know if it was positive and we don't know if it was negative. And because people aren't seeing results fast enough, we just want a big Montbello High School back. And but what that would do it was it would kick out all of the middle, all of the middle schoolers on that campus, right? So none of the middle schoolers who go to that school would have a school anymore, or in, they would have to go to different middle schoolers, middle schools where that's a, whether that's a charter school or MLK. And then there was rumors that MLK was going to be just a middle school, so everything was just really crazy, and we didn't have all the information. So that's why I went over to EGC and talk to our board members like, hey, I just want to be filled in. We want to know what's going on before any decisions are made because this could be either a really big problem or something really positive. And that's what we don't know because nobody was really telling us, this is how it's going to happen. This is why it's happening. And it was just history repeating itself, right? So what had happened 10 years ago was now going to happen again. And we were going to have to deal with all of those things. And we still don't know, it's still up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen. So right now what I'm trying to do is trying to get our students informed and our community informed as well. Um, what is the most powerful poem you wrote? And could you share it with us? Ooh, the most powerful poem I've wrote. Um, I wrote. Just read it to you guys? <laughs> it's about staying quiet. So when you see a kid bu- getting bullied in class, and you just stay quiet because you don't want to get bullied too? That's dangerous, right? Because it can cause sadness in that other person's heart. When you see unfairness, when you see something that's wrong in the world and you don't speak up and you don't do something about it, that's called conformity. And conformity a lot of the times keeps us quiet and it keeps us following rules that we don't even understand. Rules that are put in place just to keep us quiet. And that's very unfair to us because we deserve to have a voice, right? So this poem is called Silence is Conformity, Conformity is Death. People complain about things they can fix, things bigger than themselves. We all want a water to wine miracle. We don't want to put in the work and culture the grapes and age the juice. So instead of wine, we get blood. Because we whine instead of act. We let ourselves walk blindly every day, keep the poor people poor, keep the uneducated worse, keep the bystanders silent, keep the stereotype stereotypical, and all of them afraid, afraid of repercussion. They said, give voice to the people, but as far as I can tell, you and I, we are not the people, because we the people hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. And Amendment 13, abolished slavery in the United States. So then why are we still slaves to our silence? Red. Amendment 14. All persons born or naturalized in the United States are American citizens. So then why does the word minority even exist when we've always been the majority? This country was built on the backs of immigrants and today their descendants. White. Amendment 15. Allowing us all to vote disregarding race, color, and previous condition of servitude. So if my vote is my voice, why am I still silenced and categorized? Because of the color of my skin, because of where I come from and who my ancestors were, served, and died for blue silence noun complete absence of sound because the first one to speak is always the first person to get shot and nowadays who am i kidding every day people like crispus Attucks, who got killed when he stood up for his rights and ended up being the face of the boston massacre are shot because they dare to speak Silence, noun, complete absence of sound. No one told that he was a free African-American man or else nobody would care, just like today. Silence, noun, complete absence of sound. And yet you talk every day. Correction, you complain every day about what a messed up system we live in, about how the system is against us. The system doesn't want us to succeed and how the system has prepared you for failure since the third grade and you, you have a lot to say about this, don't you? I'm talking to you. Why do you complain and yet you do nothing? All this talk about change, all this talk about freedom, and no walk to prove that we want it, to prove that we need it. Silence, noun, complete absence of sound. Our voices have been taken, and yes, you do still talk, but your real voice is in your actions. You, my friend, are now what is called a bystander. You, believe it or not, are part of the problem just as much as you don't want to get involved. You'll say, I'm not a racist, yet you have the power to change all of this, but you sit back and what do you do? Nothing. Conformity, noun, compliance with standards, rule, or law. Conformity, what drives us to say in a shell, what seals the door of our mind, and corks the verbal treasury we hold on our tongues. Conformity, the exact reason as to why we don't get a water to wine miracle. We get blood on the streets and a bandaid over the broken hearts of families with a loved one at war, mothers who so- Son was shot by an officer who is one of our own. Girls and boys whose innocence is taken from them, but never decide to tell. Students who are constantly categorized, evaluated, and talked down on because of their race and gender. Teachers who burn out every year and are so underappreciated. Families who are separated by borders, and so many more that I could be here for days. But we know who we are already, so why tell you what you already know? Minority, noun, the smaller number or part that is less or half of a whole. Minority, and this one has nothing to do with numbers. Those of us who work so hard, but are discouraged at the sight of our condition because we are the majority. But our system of hierarchy will continue to use fear and death as a weapon to get us to conform. Our condition is already bad enough. And even so, we do nothing. I guess our voices and our cries were not loud enough or we're muffled under the laughter of prejudice and oppression and it's just because that's just the way the system works. I go to a school named after the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The majority of our school is full of students of color. The day after the election I led a walkout with the desire to bring hope to our community following the footsteps of my Chicano brothers and sisters who walked out in the 60s. I felt proud and hopeful until I looked behind me. One teacher walked out with us. Few were those who followed behind, not even being a third of our school's population. Don't tell me you can't see the irony. I wanted to scream and cry and rage at those who called our movement a waste of time. They said to me, it is pointless to miss school for this. It's not going to change anything. My heart raced, my blood boiled. And yet I wanted to say, yet it is okay for you to be late to first period every day just because you feel like it. And it's okay to call in sick on Monday when you're really just hungover from Sunday. But I said nothing. I fell to defeat. I let my tears flow. I let, myself, I let myself feel useless and weak. But that was a form of yesterday. And if I want a better tomorrow, I have to be willing to fight today. I don't want to stand up here and say, screw the system only to walk away and not do anything to make a change. Conformity, noun, compliance with standards, rule or law, silence, noun, complete absence of sound, this is truly what causes death. So death to our ancestors and death to their legacy because we conform and we are silent with our actions and where no one can see us, screw the system seems to be the catchphrase of the day. How much longer will it take for us to see that we are waging a war against ourselves? Have we forgotten that we are the children of racism? We are the children of black, white, and brown slaves who have not only been slaves to their masters, but slaves to their silence and continue to do so today. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be another critic. I will be the change. I will say it every day. We are waging a war against ourselves because we are the system. Because of this, I will be hated, laughed at, and shamed but I will speak with my actions until the very day that I die and even then, no one will be able to take my voice. Right right. Right now, um, in the far northeast, we were told that Montbello High School would reopen. So Montbello right now is four campuses, or four different schools on one campus and um, they threatened or not threatened but they were proposing that we have just a big Montbello high school again and that would kick out all of the middle schoolers in that campus and just have one high school and then there was rumors that my school was going to get shut down and that we were just going to become a middle school so there was going to be no high school anymore and um A lot of what happened and why there was so much confusion around what that looks like and how that was going to happen is because you guys and your families were not informed and they weren't asked Um, a lot of the people that are pushing this movement do not have an accurate representation of what our community looks like so a lot of the Hispanic and Latino voice was not put into this decision making a lot of the asian and other voice was not put into this um, decision so a lot of what happened is that a lot of families were upset a lot of students were upset um, and there's just no action plan and the way you guys can get involved is our team is coming up with days where we can have forums so these educational forums that bring awareness to this cause so everybody can know about it and then everybody can decide um, how that's going to work and the way that's going to affect you guys is it's going to affect where you guys decide to go to school um, for high school and even for middle school because you know we could be relocated um, we could be shut down a lot of those things are just up in the air right now so if you guys get informed and then talk about it like we don't want our school to be moved or we want this and not that then great, your voice matters and you have to know that. Another thing that you can focus on right now is um, gun laws. So a lot of those things we see affecting our community and not just by school shootings, right? In Montbello, what happens is uh, our suffrage of gun violence is mostly on death by suicide. So a lot of the gun violence that we see here is death by suicide, mostly in males of color and in females of color. And we also see a lot of gang violence associated with gun violence, right? And that is a cause you guys can fight for and push our legislators and write a letter to Congress and be like, you have to do something about this because it's affecting our community so much that we are afraid to even walk outside and we're afraid to go to school. And when there's a threat of a shooting, everybody gets all riled up, right? And your mom starts freaking out, your aunt and uncle start freaking out, your little whoever, right? And so that's a cause you guys can take on as well. Um, I think I'm lucky that some of my close friends are also going to CU Denver but they're not studying the same thing as me so I won't see them very often and I'm also going to be going to school in the afternoon as opposed to the morning like them and I think in MLK we're super super diverse so you see more than one or two cultures represented and I think that it's gonna be hard not to have that somewhere else because you know this is my home this is what I'm used to I'm used to seeing faces like yours and smiling every day or being sad or being like I don't know mad like I'm used to seeing all that and being in a completely new environment if it's not diverse I I feel like I'm gonna feel really uncomfortable because I have been in those situations where I'm the only face of color in a room and you just feel like everybody's staring at you and you don't even want to go and throw something away in the trash can because you feel like everybody's looking at you. But I feel like at the end of the day, if I show up and represent myself and the people I represent, um, then that level of respect, you will gain it somehow, whether it takes a long time or a little bit of time. You represent your parents, you represent your culture, you represent your family, you represent your community. So you have to compose yourself in a way that's not too serious, can be kind of fun, but also in a way that you are unapologetically yourself. And that is what I always want to be able to do and never hold back from who I am and who I represent and where I come from. Because at this point, I represent MLK and MLK is not just Mexican-American. MLK is African-American. MLK has seen a growth in our Nepali students. MLK is Hispanic and not just from Mexico. So I've come to represent all of that and I will continue to represent all of that in college. So, this poem is called, sorry, Before Validation. So, a lot of the times we are not um, validated as students because we do not have college degrees, because a lot of you haven't even graduated middle, continued from middle school. I haven't graduated from high school yet. And they don't, a lot of the times the adults become blind to the power that our students have. And yes, I'm going to curse in this poem, but I don't do it just to curse. I do it because it is my emotion in that moment and because I want to express my anger in a way that is representative of who I am. So before validation. My reputation, the aspiring teacher, and my resume. Mariel Reyes Galvez, 17 years of age, senior in high school, first generation. Certifications, none. Degrees, none. Professional experience, part-time eighth grade math teacher, not paid. Additional skills, a heart full of passion and part-time slam poet. But at the end of the day, I was censored. Known as the articulate brown girl with the sassy thing to say. I was the face of student voice but not student leadership. And all it ever was is talk. So let's talk about it, shall we? Let's talk about hunger with our fingers covered in Cheeto dust. Let's talk about poverty wearing $600 shoes we can't wear outside. Let's talk about lack of gun control and watch kids die on Snapchat. Let's talk about my school's eighth graders having no math teacher for one whole semester and not give them a math teacher. Let's watch my school's sixth graders call each other racial slurs and not teach them that it's wrong. Let's Talk about it, shall we? Because I'm doing something about it. Being told I had no power, I made my own. I'm taking action, aren't you? Or are you afraid? I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. The day after Trump won the election, I led a walkout. We chanted, we cried. Hand in hand, I walked with my best friend. I walked with people I had never associated, not knowing that they would one day mean so much to me. We walked past five other schools in the neighborhood knowing the conversations they were not having. A few more kids joined us. We walked and I couldn't control my tears. I saw unity, passion, and open minds ready to take it all in. Doors were opened in another school where I spoke. Yes, I spoke about freedom and its meaning, about young people and their passion, about hope and its truth that will never die unless we allow it. We also saved a life that day and many of the students don't even know that the man who bought us water bottles as we walked back to school was ready to commit suicide that morning. As I talked to him about who I am and why I do what I do, he said that when he saw us, invincible young people, beautiful young people ready to stand our ground, he was filled with hope. And that was the exact point of our walkout. And it didn't end there. We marched into their sixth grade classrooms, planned a lesson, and taught them to see themselves, to see each other, to see their culture. And it was a day of healing. No, you are not ugly because of your melanin. No, you are not racist because you are white. No, they are not terrorists because they call their God by a different name than you. Deportation is not funny. Families are separated by millions of miles, and some of them never get to see each other again. The kids who didn't know that the person they sat next to every day was struggling just like them. The kids who didn't know that their peers with a lighter complexion spoke Spanish too. Those kids, my kids, then called each other by name. They understood that religion and terrorism are separate, then knew that struggle, pain, and insecurity was universal, and that there was nothing that couldn't be fixed with a sincere apology as long as they acted upon their promise to keep an open mind. We charged into the eighth grade math classes, with permission, of course, because failing eighth grade math puts you at risk for failing freshman math and then for not graduating at all. So we did something. Myself and people my age are teaching them math ourselves. We did not wait on a system to fix itself. We are taking matters into our own hands and these kids are learning. We promised to stay until the very last day of school, unlike the four teachers who walked out on them. Making them believe, and I quote, they are worse than juvenile detention center students. They've got a bad attitude and don't know how to respect authority. Bullshit. I'm glad those teachers left. News flash, my kids aren't going to learn from somebody they don't like or at least somebody they can't tolerate. And let me tell you something else, a bunch of high schoolers are doing a better job. So dear future teacher, don't yell at your students if they're not paying attention. Ask them if they're feeling well. Don't call out the kid who's sleeping in class. Ask if they got enough sleep last night. Don't let your students, hundreds of them, walk out the doors and not follow them. These things will stick with them forever. But we keep addressing the symptoms, filling the holes in the system. Now let me tell you how we discovered and are now doing something about the addressing the root cause of all of this or how my mom would put it addressing la pura tonteria y habladera por dios my peers and i are actively involved in the teacher hiring process there has been meeting back to back countless sleepless nights time so much time that i will not let go to waste breath that i am tired of wasting because come on why talk about moving mountains when you can barely even move the rocks at your feet now i'm not here to tell you how much i've suffered i'm here to tell you how much i've accomplished despite all of that suffering i've got everything to lose my freedom my education my family my hope but that's exactly why i do this because i shouldn't have to lose those things or have them falsely handed to me with terms and conditions quiet or in chains so don't just dare to speak up dare to do something about it dare to defend those who do not have the privilege that you do Dare to make a difference. Dare to start here. Dare to not just listen to your students. Find ways to amplify your students' voices. Listen to their needs and take action as a result. Let them lead you to have the school that they want. Protect and honor their education, not just by listening to them, but by asking, what can you do? because all the places they will go and all the places they could take you. I dare you not to just acknowledge or showcase their existence but use it. Use their power, resilience, voice and movement because their future depends on your decisions. Forbid yourself to do this without your students. I dare you. I dare you to remember me and everything I have done before I got my teaching degree. My name will either roll off of your tongue or get stuck in the back of your throat. You'll either roll your eyes or imitate that mischievous sparkle that I carry in mine. And if people start doing the same with yours, you'll know you're doing it right. And your journey has only begun. Best of luck. And when I graduate from college, hire me. Thank you.